0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bocor. This is episode 18, recorded on January 7th, 2021. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? need to get email at yourdomain.com they provide professional feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10 percent with promo code evrevshow all right yeah thanks for tuning in to this edition of the ev revolution show audio podcast my name is kenneth Bocor, your host As always, I try to bring smart, intelligent people into my shows because nobody wants to listen to me for an hour. Yeah, you can watch my shows to do that. So I'm honored and really happy to have Lacey Schmitke. She is the host of Miss Go Electric. Lacey, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.
0: Well, listen, thanks for, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit with me for half an hour to an hour and talk about the EV industry. Um, I know that you're relatively newer to this fold as far as the YouTube EV marketplace and doing what you're doing. Um, and I thought it would be great to to get your perspective because you, you come with a fresh perspective with, I believe, an OEM background. Um, and you're passionate about the industry, and I thought, you know, let's get together, let's have a chat. I just did a video show about, you know, what I think 2021 is going to look like. You did something similar, so I thought, maybe let's get together and talk about that, add, add a few more points that we can't in a five- or a ten-minute show, and, and have a discussion and pick each other's brains. Does that work for you?
1: Absolutely. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, before we get into that, maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit more about you.
1: Of course, yeah, so I am like you said, new to the YouTube channel realm and having a you know online social presence. But over the past ten years, I have spent most of my time in automotive marketing um and in in particular, I'm an independent contractor who is hired by manufacturers and agencies to educate either their consumer base, their dealer network, or the employees themselves whether it be at live events or facilitation like training the dealerships and employees about new product launches brand messaging um you know competitive landscape things of that nature so uh my background I, you know from contract to contract didn't really have an opportunity to speak out and give my opinion a lot while I'm on contract. Obviously I'm also flying and traveling in a lot of places. So didn't really have enough time. And that was my main focus. But with the pandemic, I've had a lot of free time because I can't go to these in-person events uh, as much. So I decided with this opportunity, very unique opportunity was to, you know, take it one step further because over the course of this, 10-year span that I've been in this business, I've really grown very passionate about the EV marketplace. Um, and so my focus has been trying to take as many contracts in that realm as possible because it's what I'm most passionate about. And I really believe in it as, you know, the way of the future. And in general, the general public is going to, you know, adopt this uh, technology and they don't even know it yet. <laughs>
2: exactly. So, yeah.
1: I, I really wanted to create a channel that was an EV advocacy that not only was in support of the more popular Tesla, I do have a Tesla Model S, um, but the marketplace, there's just opportunity for so many more brands and um, options for people to shop and buy. So, that was a driving motivator. And I thought e-mobility in general is just such Mm -hmm. a great space to get the average person involved and fall in love with it as much as I have. So I just want to spread the word and get people excited about it because I think once they are engaged, they're going to absolutely fall in love.
0: Totally agree with you. And that's part of my my passion for the industry as well. Uh, certainly, there's the environmental slant and and doing what's right uh, for the planet and thinking about the future. But EVs are the future, right? In the last ten years, we've seen some phenomenal changes in that landscape in a short amount of time, compared to the you know to the ice industry of a hundred and some odd years. So, your your passion is yep. certainly shared by by myself and many others, and it is the market that we need to look at moving forward. And one thing I wanted to add um, before we were talking just a bit offline and then we talked a little bit prior, communicated a bit prior, is that I, I saw that you actually went to your state to, to for advocacy for EVs on a specific cause. And, um, you know, not really needing to know the details, but, you know, that's, to me, that's kind of instant street creds in this market because, you know, I tell people all the time, look, I'm in it for the cause, right? Yeah, YouTube's great. You can, yeah, if you can make a living, great, do it. Uh, you know, I don't have the time to do it full time, so mine's for the cause. And when you can make some impacts, um, you know, so folks, some folks know that follow me on Twitter that I lobbied our our local city for some EV chargers, and they delivered. They put eight in a new rec center in my in my little village that I live in here, um, in lat, late last year, which was way more than I thought they would put in. So, yeah, you know, you, you can affect some change by, by getting involved. And, you know, when you do these kind of advocacy and you, you get into the nitty gritty, it can be scary, right. As we talked about, but you know, it also shows that you're really passionate about this cause.
1: Yeah. Um, it was intimidating, but I felt that, I really needed to speak up because my unique, I had a very unique position. So yeah. for me, being in the industry, working for not only for dealers, but for OEMs, um, and everything in between, and having this perspective, I felt the need that I need to share this because a lot of people don't know how the inner workings of the dealership model yeah. works. Um, but the problem with this bill was to prevent direct sales and service, I mean, it wasn't just that. I mean, that was the main crux of it, but yes. it was, more damaging than that. So I just felt like since I know this business in and out and I own an EV in Michigan where I was affected by when mm-hmm. Tesla got shut down and wasn't able to have, you know, we just had a service center open up at uh, in the summertime. So oh, yeah. uh, I was starting to get used to, oh, this is nice. You know, now that <laughs> if I have a big issue, I can yeah. go to the service center nearby and then they're trying to take that away. It's uh, a hassle that I knew I did not want to deal with. and so. Right. I felt very compelled to speak up and explain the reasons why. And and honestly, Mm -hmm. I was the only consumer, a civilian that was speaking on behalf of non-organization or a a business. So um, yeah, I encourage everyone to stand up for things that you're passionate about and actually go and speak about it because they want, they want you to speak about it. You know, they don't they don't want you to be silent. They want to hear your voice. Uh, so for sure. Yeah. It was uh, something I'm very proud of. Uh, so thank you for that. But um, if I have to have the opportunity again, I'll definitely do it.
2: Well, you know, this
1: <laughs> bill doesn't come back though.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> now that we've both done a little bit of that and earned our stripes, it'll get a little easier as you know what to mm-hmm. expect. But yeah, you know, there are certainly peaceful and uh, professional ways to th- to deal with things um that do work you know you can affect change in your community into your city into your state into your country and you know if it's done there are ways to do it and sometimes it takes time and patience but that is the way to do it so i commend you for that so let's start by by looking back into 2020 you know we know the pandemic took a really big chunk out of a lot of different economies and the global auto market was was not impervious to the pandemic obviously we know with shutdowns and lockdowns and uh, financial woes and economic uncertainties that the 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 total market got hit now i don't have final numbers for 2020 yet because they usually take a couple of months to come out uh from the from the following month but you know i do have some stats so if we look at the the market as a whole, and I believe the frame and you you'll correct me because you you're part of the OEM and i'm I am working with the OEMs now because I'm a you know part of the journalist side here in Canada. so I get access to people like what you were doing, people in the marketing side for Nissan and VW and BMW and all these groups that I interface with to get access to cars and to events and to launches and all this kind of stuff and and info press releases. so that's where I get a lot of my news. Um, But that whole market called the uh, light duty vehicle market, if I've got it correctly, uh, globally uh, in 2019 was at about 65 and a half million is the numbers that I could find globally, which was down from, you know, there there was a downward trend for the last few years from as high as, you know, 80 some odd million. So slowly declining, but of course the EV market slowly growing, but very small, you know, 2%, 2 2.5%, this kind of stuff. But but you know in 2019 they finished pretty good. The EV market plug-in side was about 2.2 million. Um, and this year I don't have the final numbers, but you know based on what I saw from November at 2.5 and change, if we do another month the same as November, and I have a feeling December might be slightly more, we should finish at around the two two nine to three million, maybe slightly more yeah. than three million units globally, which which would put that the EV marketplace, the plug-in marketplace. And again, folks, when I say plug-in, I say any vehicle that actually has a plug. I don't count non-chargeable hybrids into this mix. So uh, hybrids that don't have a plug, but anything that does have a plug um, in that, you know, 2.9 to 3 million, which would be up about 25 to 30%, maybe even more than 30% when the final numbers shake out Um, uh, year over year in its own marketplace. And of course the market, the, the amount of market space that it captures versus the entire market is even higher because the light-duty vehicle market is has declined even more. And, and I don't have the numbers, but the end of November, there, we're only at about 49 million units from what I could find globally. So even if we finish 55 to 60, that'll be down from the 65 million, down about 10 to 15%. So you see this seesaw effect where the EV market takes a big leap in the amount of overall market share, in in, in relative to the global system uh, entirely, it it has very strong growth, and uh, unfortunately, um, you know, ice vehicles decline. What's your thought on why that occurred?
1: Well, I think we're seeing the opportunity of more OEMs bring products to the table that are varying in lifestyle and demographic, um, which is really what this whole marketplace is all about is giving people options. So as much as, you know, we like to say Tesla is a great product. They're wonderful. They do a great job. They're the leaders in the EV space. Not everyone wants to buy a Tesla. And I have personal experience with this because when I'm sitting in a car with a customer, um, taking a test drive and going through all the features, I've had people say to me specifically, like, I would like an EV, but I just, ah, Tesla's not right for me for this reason or that reason. Um, So once we see more of these OEMs, like, you know, the luxury leaders like a Mercedes or a BMW, put products on the table that people are really excited about that are looking for, you know really luxurious interiors, uh, those feature sets that they're used to at that higher level. I think that's, uh, you know, what people want. So they're starting to slowly but surely come out with products that are compelling enough for people to want to buy that are different from the leader, Tesla. Um, so I, I think that's one giant reason. I think another reason is that, you know, we're starting to see charging infrastructure grow um, it's still an issue, but slowly but surely, it is growing. And I think that this upcoming year is going to be a big deal and a big year for that because of the new administration that's coming in and their commitment to provide more electric yes. vehicle charging. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the big things that I think 2021 is going to uh, you know, be a game changer for. Once people see when they're driving by, they see charging stations everywhere and they're in their own neighborhoods there's going to be a mentality shift where people are feeling comfortable. It normalizes. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I see it there. Cause right now, a lot lot of times people say, well, those big red charging, it's a great marketing Tesla because (laughs) people see your charging
2: station. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Other, other uh, infrastructure uh, companies need to take note on that side of things. uh, and, And some of them have, but, if people start to recognize and see that in, uh, they're integrated into their daily life, then I I think more people will be accepting of it. So.
0: Totally agree that, you know, that's what it does come down to. And it will, you know, more product, more infrastructure, more, more standard, um, not features, not the right word, but just kind of a standard entry point to an EV where, you know, used to be the 100 mile, then the 150 mile, then the 200 mile. Now it's kind of, 300 miles. And I think when you're at 300 miles, you know, 460 some kilometers whatever that is in metric, I should know I'm in Canada, so I should figure (laughs) that out, but it's a good number. Um, You know, that's, that. you don't really need a whole heck of a lot more if you've got, you know, a decent charging infrastructure to support it for longer trips. Uh, Certainly for daily use, we all know that, you know, the amount of, 30, 40 miles, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 kilometers, whatever that is a day. I mean, you know, I I drive to work 50 kilometers, you know, 25 there, 25 back. And when I go to the office and, um, that's kind of average. So, um, you don't, don't, I don't need 460 kilometers to do that. It's nice to have and for longer trips, but again, all those attributes that you mentioned are there. And then if you can home charge, um, And there's millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people that have that capability to home charge. Even if we take away the urban, the dense urban areas with on-street parking problems and condos that that maybe don't have charging infrastructure, take those buyers out of the mix. There's still a big, big marketplace for people to look at an EV.
1: There really is. And like you said, range is the – that's the biggest concern that I've seen when I talk to customers, when I'm in the cars with them, is they – I believe the sweet spot that most people mention to me is about 400 to 500 miles of range. Mm-hmm. If we can get to that sweet spot, it's not going to be a big concern for people. Right. And also the charging infrastructure on top of that—that that, that will be kind of the game changer. And um, so we're starting to see. I know in 2020, a very compelling option like the Maki, which was offering up to 300 miles of range. You know, that's a solid option. Mm-hmm. And when people get to a point where, like you said, Generally speaking, most people, their daily commute is within that, you know, 30 mile ish range, but it's still a mental block for people. Mm -hmm. So even though we can tell people that they can achieve a happy lifestyle with an EV that's currently on the marketplace that might have somewhere between that 200 and 300 miles, it's still a brain block for people. And so they can't really get past the psychological, you know, block there. And <laughs> for sure. so I think that 400 to 500 mile range, which this year we see the Rivian R1T that mm-hmm. is, uh, the first models are going to come out with 300 miles of range. But, uh, once we start to see at the beginning of the, the next year, the 400 mile range there, that'll be important. And then the Cybertruck, um, uh, with their
2: mm-hmm.
1: level of options that they have up to 500 miles of range, those are going to be real game changers. Mm-hmm. So, this year, I think if we can get more of these options out in the 300 mile range, like we're seeing with the Aria and uh, things of that nature, especially in the SUV space, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a big deal uh, for the average person to be able to hop into an electric vehicle for the first time.
0: Definitely will be, and we, we will talk about a little bit later on about you know what what models are coming out and our thoughts about those. But you're absolutely right. You know, and range we'll, we will get there. You know, battery uh packs are becoming more energy dense um they're becoming they're changing technologies chemistries solid state still up in the air all these mm-hmm. different technology advantages tesla with their battery day came out with a bunch of stuff that they're going to get to in the next few years so the market is definitely moving forward in that and it won't be unheard of to have a you know maybe an 80 kilowatt pack that gets you 500 miles you know with with the same kind of size cuz that's what they're all striving to just like we do with every other technology out there Make it smaller, make it faster, make it cheaper eventually. And I would say, you know, beyond range cost is probably the next hurdle um, because, you know, that is a barrier to adoption where the entry price for an EV to a comparable internal combustion vehicle is a lot higher, even with incentives still in place. In some cases, it's better, but in a lot of cases, uh, it's still relatively higher. So, yes, we talk about look at the overall TCO and look at operational And that's a bit of a challenge, as you mentioned, to get people's minds wrapped around that.
1: Yeah, and I think the market that's going to really shift that is the pickup truck market because Mm -hmm. customers who are currently buying, let's say, an F-150, they're already spending that high price tag on a truck that is their work truck. They know total cost of ownership is very important to them because they're using it for their business. Mm -hmm. But in that space with the pickup trucks, They're already at that higher price point, so people are used to. And if they can see the total cost of ownership shift to a point where this investment is making a lot of sense because they're saving so much money and the usability is superior, anyways, uh, with the way they can use it as a generator and things of that nature, it's going to be a big deal. Um, And I don't actually see too much of that. I see this small shift because the F one fifty. Power Boost is is you know plug-in hybrid, so it will mm-hmm. make a little bit of a difference, and it, it'll be kind of like the the gateway to sure. the fully electric. Um, yep. But I think there are a lot of people out there that are just waiting for an all-electric version to come out in order to really capitalize on the use and also uh, the total cost of ownership of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you see fleets of of trucks, and you know, the beauty about the Ford platform. Um, and I commented on this when the Cybertruck came out. I, you know, I, I love the Cybertruck. I, I love Tesla. I, I love every, all the OEMs that are getting involved in this. So don't be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I criticized Tesla for potentially shrinking the amount of market opportunity that they would have in the pickup truck by going on a unibody platform versus a, a body on frame. Uh, what What is it? The body on frame? is a body on frame is that correct mm-hmm. uh, design where you, the the capability to customize and to change what you need is 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 much more prevalent in a body on frame than it is on unibody and that's what we see right we see 150 250 350 450s out there in all kinds of configurations military EMS you know plumbing uh, guys electricians you know welding well portable welding uh, systems all kinds of use cases for this um and and I think the Cybertruck just is limited to go after that market. But if, if that's okay by Tesla, which I believe it is, because they're making money on a ton of other stuff now, they're profitable, and they've got a good business plan looking forward. So if they don't want to go after that entire market, then that's fine. The Cybertruck's going to do well. But you're absolutely right. I think the big a big game changer here, and it's interesting you say pickup trucks. I talked to another journalist just about a month ago, and he said the same thing to me. He thought that the tipping point was was and is going to be the pickup truck market because now that really elevates it to a completely different audience that was not even looking at evs before
1: well and ford i mean the ford f-150 and the f-series best selling in the world like it's a big deal so that is a marketplace that is so huge that just hasn't been tapped into yet so
0: and profitable
1: so much. Yes. And so
0: much.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: So, of course, they're going to, you know, all the OEMs are going to do the same thing that Tesla did. Start with a higher margin vehicle, electrify it and, you know, get it in and then work its way down to. Yes, they've come out with the Ford um, uh, with in, back in 2012 with the Ford Focus EVs. Oh, and sure. stuff. So they've done some of that. Right. But they, it wasn't really an all in strategy. It was a compliance play. And we all know that. And a lot of them still do that today with 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 very small plug in hybrid battery systems where you're getting 10 or 20 miles on a plug-in well that's not really enough to even get you through the day but if for compliance reason it works so i agree i think you know this year if we can see some of these pickup trucks actually come out on the street and start making a dent into it that's really going to lift up the industry into the eyeballs now on that note then lacy um you know if this year we'll finish around let's say three million units from a plug-in um I, I on my last show said I think we might get to, you know, maybe three point eight or something like that for twenty twenty one. Um just based on what what early look see on what I think you know some of the OEMs will come out with, what some production numbers will be like. Um what's your take? Can you take an early put your um your well, wizard yeah, hat I on do, and
1: look I at the crystal ball? Hey? There, yeah, I do think that there's gonna be extreme growth. Um especially in the SUV segment. Um, so in my 2020 rewind, I talked about this a little bit, but the options that we have coming forward in uh, 2021 that are going to be delivered this year are some really amazing options. And with, you know, about that 300 mile range, mm-hmm. that's doable for a lot of people, um, especially like you said, if they have at home charging. So uh, Chevy Bolt EUV, the uh, VW ID4 will finally get here, the Mm -hmm. Nissan Aria. These are in a segment that aren't in the luxury or premium segment, which is going to make a big difference. And SUVs are, you know, it's such a big market in the United States. Compact utility has grown incredibly over the past, you know, 5, 10 years Yes. Um, And it is, you know, the reason why some of these manufacturers have decided to leave sedans behind completely because, you know, the OEMs can make a higher profit margin and they're fulfilling what the customers actually want. So (laughs) it's going to be a big deal when we see, you know, these compact utilities, but also things like the R1S, which is uh, Rivian's offering that they have Mm -hmm. coming before the end of the year, which will... Provide a lot more space. So the yeah. seven seater, you don't see, you no. know, in the a, a SUV space, you don't really see that. So yeah.
0: uh, they're big machines. Yeah. I, I took yeah. A, a navigator not long ago. So for one of the Lincoln plugins a couple of months yep. ago, and I could, you know, barely fit it in my garage. So it's a bit, you know, lengthwise, it's a big beast, but very comfortable. And,
1: yeah, and a family, purpose. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, families do need that. Big yep. families need a vehicle like that. And when we start to see offerings that, Provide that and fulfill that need,
2: mm-hmm.
1: people are going to get in, get in them. And from my experience, if you get the customers in the seats and you take them on a the drive experience and educate them, it's like a just flip of a switch. It's like, yes. I get it now. So the more of these vehicles out there, and, uh, you know, hopefully this vaccine can get us all back to work very soon. And mm-hmm. at least my marketplace where live events is a big deal and we can actually do test drives. Yes. Um, the adoption of, of these vehicles and having people experience them in person is going to be a really big deal.
0: Totally agree with you. That that's one of the things I, I've learned very quickly, and in, in, you know, I'm part of the Electric Vehicle Society here in Canada, which is the same, similar to EVA, and then a lot of other countries have their own, and getting people into an EV and actually letting them drive or, or taking them for a ride-along, they go, wow, it's so quiet, it's so much torque and all this stuff. I mean, that that automatically triggers a light bulb saying, why, why shouldn't I look at it? One thing I wanted to just bring up before we talk about some of the models coming out, you mentioned a couple already, but just in hindsight, one of the uh, feedback that I get a lot is because I've I've talked about VW and Volkswagen in the group quite a lot in 2020, and really pumping them up to that I believe that they are a game changer in the EV marketplace, as Tesla was to be the catalyst and continues to help drive the marketplace. Model Three being the number one EV, already well over 300,000 units for the end of November probably finish at around 340 or something like that thousand units which would be up from last year. Um but you know, you look at VW. Um you know, last year they I don't even think they were on the top 20 list uh the e-golf uh sorry, they were number 6 and then, you know, this year um so far globally um they are number 2. So, you know, they went from 80,000, sorry, 5,000 units last year to over 166,000 Uh, These are plugins, and they still have a month to go. So, I mean, if anybody can ramp up fast, it's these guys, right? And as you know, they're a huge OEM, right? With 12 brands, 600, I'm trying to remember, is it 300,000 workforce or 600,000 workforce, 100 and some odd plants globally. I mean, big stuff, right?
1: Well, Volkswagen over the past few years has been designated as the largest car company in the world. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge, uh, there's a, a few car companies under the umbrella that I see making a huge difference for 2021 in Volkswagen is one of them, but not only because they are the largest, but their impact is going to be just insane over the next few years. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've been pushed because of they they had to implement uh, the Electrify America network yeah. and they've just hit the ground running from there. So um, I I'm really happy to see that they're going all in on this. And not only have they invested in the infrastructure because they were ha- they had to mm-hmm. um, they have also done a lot of other things like, you know, designate the MEV platform and working with other manufacturers like Ford and partnering with them to create more platforms to be able to get more electric vehicles out. And it is a costly, costly thing to be mm-hmm. able to create a platform and to have that collaboration is a big deal. And for these other manufacturers like Ford investing in that and working together with them is a game changer. So when you see this kind of collaboration and integration of uh, even just on the platform side of things, it's a big deal. Um, You also have, you know, Porsche, which VW is the parent company investing in a company like Remak. So in the hypercar segment, That's a big deal as well. They have about fifteen and a half percent ownership stake, Um, and there's been rumors that there there might be some integration with getting Bugatti, which is under the VW umbrella, Mm -hmm. Um, Remac or some kind of uh, partnership there, Mm -hmm. or them buying out Bugatti. Makes
0: sense, right? Makes
1: sense. Yeah, yeah, and once we hit, uh, you know, that landscape, uh, that's also going to be a big deal because those people that are looking for something that is the best of the best and it, it's electric, then there will be another shift of people with that mindset saying, you know what? I don't need a, you know, gas powered big V12 or whatever in mm-hmm. order to have, uh, you know, a, a really compelling race car <laughs> or That's... a hypercar. Um, so I think Volkswagen is doing it from so many different angles. And, and we've heard that Bentley, also another Volkswagen mm-hmm. brand, yeah. uh, is committing to uh, make an electrification journey to, to 2035, uh, I believe it is, or 2030, somewhere in between there. And so that's a big deal too, when they are getting to these segments that um, you know are the ultra luxury or luxury categories mm-hmm. or car segments, which just permeate uh, the whole industry so expansion of the marketplace in a way that hits on all these different segments that's that's very good for the ev market
0: absolutely you've said it perfectly i mean you know what it it may not sell a ton of evs you know the the one percent club as we might say because these are high-end vehicles but what it does is it puts eyeballs at, at at a really high level and at a wide level And, you know, if somebody says, gee, if I can do an EV to get to do this, to get this kind of performance and experience, then certainly as a daily go to the store and take the kids uh, to soccer practice or whatever daily use case, why wouldn't an EV, you know, be a great pick as well? Um, Because I'm going to get, you know, similar performance esque and all these other features that EVs provide, especially all electric. So, uh, an awakening, right?
1: Yeah. And all the lifestyle adjustments, you know, I I know, you know, being an EV owner, one of my favorite things is not having to go to a gas station ever again. (laughs) And the fact that I don't have like, yes, when I'm on a road trip, I have to stop for 15 minutes to charge up. Um, But usually that's about the time that I need to eat or use Mm -hmm. the restroom anyway. So it's actually a, a welcome stop. But, you know, for those people who have the capability to charge at home, it's just a game changer to not have to reroute and stop for gas or oil changes. It's just a beautiful yeah. thing. And I can remote start, start my car uh, in a garage and uh, not have to worry about exhaust. It's just mm-hmm. so many little benefits of the lifestyle that you pick up once you actually get in it. So yeah, that's uh another, another thing that people don't really realize is the reality of the the lifestyle that exists when you buy an ev
0: absolutely correct it is a bit different in a nicer way in a in a great way i mean again i've i've had an EV now for a couple of years and uh with my model three being the most recent and i just i just get in and drive i don't worry about you know is Mm -hmm. it going to start it's you know it's minus 10 out you're in michigan so we get similar weather um and yeah all this kind of stuff even though i have a garage but i'm at work all day it's outside so you know i got to get out there uh some of the models coming out for 2021 then uh, i've got a bit of a list and feel free to add in if i miss somebody at the end but some of the things that that we'll look forward to i know audi with the Etron gt is supposed to hit showrooms and their q4 Etron su which is a, an suv as well is supposed to start yeah. coming out um i know it'll be different regional on where these things hit but have you worked with audi before and i mean i know certainly the uh-huh. Etron tron is, is a great vehicle.
1: But the e-tron is great. Um, and, you know, Audi's done a great job of, you know, keeping the ball rolling on having products come out with this Q4 e-tron. I think that is the first iteration of the MEB platform for them. I believe so. Um, yes. So okay. it's a little bit smaller.
0: It's not as big as the, the initial e-tron. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Audi's doing a great job. I, I love their products. Um, it's, it's one of those, yes, the price tag might be still a little bit high. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, once we get more of these options into the marketplace and we get battery pricing down and things of that nature and you know, it'll be a lot more competitive. But I do think that they provide, you know, a very compelling option.
0: Exactly. And what I'm talking about here, folks, is is I'm talking about new stuff coming out. So everything that's out today is still pretty well out today, you know, with the exception of the e-golf, which is pretty well toast now because VW's moved completely into the ID platform and stopped producing e-golfs. So I know we couldn't get we can you can find one in Canada. It's it's something that's on a dealer lot or a trade-in. Otherwise, you won't you won't find any. It's probably fairly similar in the U.S. But um, yep. and next on the new list is BMW's i4, which is their luxury sedan. So um, they anticipate that that should hit a production and should hit uh, you know consumers' driveways this year.
1: Yeah, I think a mid-sized sedan is a good uh, you know segment to hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, I am more compelled by the IX, uh, that they IX3, revealed. Yeah. I just, I'm really, yeah. <laughs> I'm an SUV type person. I love oh, yeah. SUVs, but yeah. I also think that market is so, uh, it's such a big deal for, uh, especially the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that their, um, their IX is going to be very important as well. Once we get mm-hmm. these, uh, manufactured and Audi does a great job. Like we had just talked about, um, the Mercedes EQC will be. Uh, an option that comes to the market this year mm-hmm. too, the the luxury contenders that are offering enough range and uh, the luxury that those customers expect, it's just a big deal, a very big yeah. deal for the market.
0: People forget that there's a lot of brand loyalty when you talk about Audi, BMW, Mercedes. You know, there's there's a lot of people that will, no matter what, you can tell me something else is the best, but I'm going to buy another BMW or I'm going to buy another Audi product because that's all they've been buying for years, right? You've seen it, I'm sure, in working with these guys.
1: <laughs> to be honest with you, I've done a lot of work with BMW yeah. and it's <laughs> one of my favorite brands to work for because it's like you're preaching to the choir and you're yeah. explaining all the features <laughs> and you're telling people, educating them on the product. And they are just like, I love BMW. It's like... Yes,
0: it's one of those where you had me at hello, right? You know, (laughs) here's my checkbook. Let's sign. So, no, for sure. So, so again, I'm glad that they're catering to their audience. They know they know their audience. They have extremely great um, consumer metrics and intelligence and metadata about their owners that they they know what they want to do. Yes, to us, maybe on the outside it, it seems slow. Why didn't you guys start building these five years ago? But there's a method to the madness.
1: Well, and it makes sense because you know in in my field a lot of people you know there's a lot of flack for OEMs not taking advantage of you know jump starting the whole EV movement mm-hmm. but yes there's a, i mean they're loyal fan base as you're talking about they're loyal customers they are giving them what they want right now and you know my job is to show them the light of you know look at this other option you may be you know, bad mouthing it before mm-hmm. you even get in it. But then like I said, the light switch is turned on and once they experience they're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. So it's kind of like a chicken or the egg type thing with these manufacturers. They're giving their customers what they want, but the customers don't know that they could want EVs. That's and once they experience them, it is just a drastic change. Mm-hmm. So that shift is really important because a lot of the, I think the general public just doesn't know what they're missing out on. <laughs> so absolutely right. yeah. uh, that's why I, I, I find my job so rewarding because after explaining, you know, the lifestyle and the features of the vehicles themselves, they, you can see the light bulb go off in action. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's very rewarding for me to, you know, experience that with the customer on their journey and create a relationship with them that, you know you know, helps them in their life. I I feel so.
0: No, for sure. And, you know, we're both, we're both looking at this whole marketplace from a very objective point of view uh, because of your background and, and some of my background as well. We we see that. And, you know, I'm very happy when I hear more OEMs starting to ramp up or people getting into it, because again, they have loyal fan bases. It's not just all about Tesla. Like a lot of people say Tesla is the only one you got to buy a Tesla. It's not the case. No matter, you said it earlier, not everybody's going to buy a Tesla for whatever reason. So give them another choice. Give them a choice they will buy. And that's what we want to do to get that EV adoption, right? To get that bum in an EV seat, as I like to say, or a butt in an EV seat. So, uh, you know, and with Ford's Mach E, I mean, yes, they delivered a couple. They made good on their 2020 promise of deliveries. They delivered three. Hey, whatever. It works. Tesla delivered 30, right, <laughs> when they said they were going to come out. So on the Model 3, so give them give them flack, and and they'll they're ramping up production. They might even ship out 50,000 or something like that units this year. I, I'm I'm so happy that Ford's got this vehicle there.
1: I'm with you on that. That it's and to also put an iconic brand under the Ford mm-hmm. brand Mustang on that nameplate is just it to me that's what proves the commitment is that you're yes. going to. And it was a very polarizing decision. Um, but point, yeah. I think it is, it just proves the commitment there that Ford has put that Mustang nameplate on the new mach as their, not their first EV, but mm-hmm. a really compelling offering that has more than, you know, the 100 and some odd change yes. range that they had with the previous electric focus and, uh, you know, back in the 90s, the Ford Ranger electric. But a vehicle
0: that's been designed from the ground up as an EV. So, you know, there's a differentiator there, right? Whatever the platform is, whatever that, it's all new to Ford. And you're right, putting that iconic brand there, they've got a lot of flack of it. I still read and I talk to people, oh, it's not a Mustang, you know, they shouldn't have put that. But You're right. That just shows their commitment. And people tend to fail to see that whether they sell 30,000, 50,000 or more this year, it doesn't matter. It means that they're taking those steps to really start to get into the game. And yes, they're slow. But folks, you got to remember, these companies are in business to make money. And you said it earlier, Lacey, they've got Uh, their own audience to deal with they've got their their lucrative buyers they want to cater to their own marketplace as well and they will they do things a bit slower when we're looking from the outside but the meantime they have to make money while they're doing these things
1: well and yeah and just as it currently stands the ev market is so tiny in comparison to what they are offering Mm so it's going to take some time naturally and all the investment that they have in the infrastructure and factories and things yeah. of these nature that support what they currently sell. It's a big deal. It's a, a lot of investment. So mm. I think naturally we'll probably see some consolidation um, yes. over the years, uh, but I, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing
0: i i agree with you you know you mentioned about the the platform sharing earlier the meb and and you know people sourcing you know making more of an open source you know relationship technology that's going to we're going to see more of that to to help a to help guys get into it quicker and ramp up and also to drive the cost down so that they can make compelling yep. products and lower the entry price for consumers now you mentioned mercedes earlier with the eqc coming now that's been out for about a year already in europe and, and doing well yep. uh i saw one in lat you know in the twenty. Uh, In this early uh, year's Toronto Car Show, I sat and talked to them and did a video and I was hoping it would come out and it's still not. But it's coming for USA and Canada next uh, next this year, which is good. Um, And also what they're they're launching a couple others. So the EQA, which is their crossover compact SUV offering Mm -hmm. and the EQS, their luxury sedan offering. So they're starting to really bring out compelling products for their consumers.
1: Yeah. And I think the EQS is going to be great because... It is a full-size sedan, so it'll compete in that model S space. But it is that plush and quality luxury interior that a lot of those buyers that you know just it doesn't hit with te- Teslas is like a computer on wheels, and they yeah. aren't necessarily at this moment currently what they have out with. That's not usually what that that buyer is used to if they're buying a seven series or an S class. Right. Um. So it is a shift, but um, to have the EQS, and also the EQS is said to have over four hundred miles of range, which mm-hmm will be amazing for that demographic. So, yeah, I think Mercedes, unfortunately, like you said, with the EQC being delayed for the U.S., I still think even with its slightly slower range, it'll be great to have more of these luxury vehicles come in the space with the quality that that demographic is used to.
2: Exactly.
1: And and the EQA being a a more compact version at a lower price point in that same realm. um, Yeah. It's very good.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can't expect Mercedes to sell a you know, $25,000 car. They don't do that. That's not their their shtick, right? But for mm-hmm. them to bring something into that audience, which is compelling, they know, again, they, they know their metrics of their buyers, what they want. I think is great. So I'm very happy to see Nissan step up with the Aria. Um, I think, you know, they're overdue. Uh, again, I had a Leaf before. I love the Leaf. Uh, the Leaf Plus is a great car too, but it's a little bit antiquated. A little bit, but the Leaf Plus is adequate. Um, but they need they need to broaden their their strokes and I, I don't think the e-power is is really truly the way to do it but they're putting a lot of emphasis on that more Asia pack I think in some of the other world markets but um, I'm really happy with the Aria again the SUV no surprise that's where the money is and uh, I haven't seen one I mean I you know I, I saw the the virtual release and I get all the press stuff from Nissan Canada but I'm excited about that what do you think about the Aria
1: I would love to see that in person because I think this is one of the more out of the the whole entirety of that uh, space. I, I'm really excited about the Aria. Uh-huh. I think it looks great. I think it looks practical, um, very modern. Um, so I think this is going to and has all the feature sets that you would expect out of this class.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I am very excited about the Aria. I think one of my top picks for the upcoming year, especially in that that class of suvs coming out so yeah i'm very very excited i can't wait to see it in person and give it a drive because i think that it's going to be a game changer for nissan
0: i agree you know they're bringing all the modern technologies the active cooling and thermal and all the stuff that they haven't necessarily had in the past there everything's coming to this uh ev and, and moving forward on the platform so i agree hopefully they'll price it in the right market i'm a little concerned about where they're going to come in on the pricing scheme We'll see. Um, And hopefully they'll be able to bring it into the North American manufacturing side sooner than later, because I believe everything is coming from Japan to start, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, that's that's my understanding as well. Yeah, and
0: then that open it up to maybe Smyrna or wherever, wherever mm-hmm. they might want to throw it there. And then lastly, on the big OEMs, VW, of course, you mentioned the ID4 earlier, and I've been in constant contact with with VW up here, got a great relationship. And they they're just to the moon on the ID4. I can't wait to get my hands on one to look at it and the early reviews of some of the guys that are getting you know prototypes, especially in the US and and in other regions, are very positive. Take away maybe some slight you know software buggy issues to start, but that it's it's still a pre-production. So uh, I I agree. I think it's a right vehicle for the right segment.
1: I I'm with you on that. And like we said, VW is such a big big company to and, and also they are going to be producing this in uh, eventually in Chattanooga. So Chattanooga, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, really cool that it's going to be a U.S. produced uh, vehicle. Mm-hmm. I think the one challenge that we'll see with a lot of these legacy brands is that getting the dealers educated and trying mm-hmm. to find a way to be able to get them to shift to selling these cars. And, you know, education is the big Thing. A lot of people say, "Well, dealers they they don't like to sell EVs because they don't make the money on maintenance." But I think the bigger problem is that the education is a lot of people they come in and they know what they want off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just going into a dealership and shopping for a car, naturally dealers are going to shift you towards the thing that they already know about. And this being a new technology, and a lot of the dealers just don't even understand the charging or right. you know terminology. How many kilowatts is it? How many kilowatt hours is the battery?
0: And this, in a lot of cases, see what's on the lot, or what they can get real fast because they're all yeah. about moving inventory, right?
1: Moving inventory, and also what kind of commission are they going to yes. get off that uh-huh. vehicle? So, um, I know I personally did a small project with VW on. Uh, it was a instructional video that was designed to prepare the Volkswagen ID4 dealers for this shift. So oh, nice. they're going
2: to
1: They're planning on doing different models yes. on trying to encor- encourage the dealers to sell these vehicles and mm-hmm. educate them and shift them in that direction and they've got a lot of work to do in order to kind of change that mindset in the dealer side of things too.
0: Absolutely correct. Because, you know, it is it is a different realm. I mean, maybe more of a, of a sales associate or an agent role and, you know, maybe less as, as a commission, you know, because they're heavily motivated to sell on their, you know, on what what their KPIs are. Right. So I mean, that's that's how they they operate. And if you can shift the metrics to say, you know what, you're going to make a decent income by just acting more as a an advisory role and 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 selling evs that way then you know why wouldn't i get more excited about it if i was doing that right yep that's it so it's good to hear that uh you've actually had some inside track on that and that's what needs to happen get the dealers on board and then the last group is is the up and comings the startups these guys you know we mentioned rivian already with the r1t and the r1s i too am excited you know talk to their cto um uh, in at fully charge in austin last year and, and had a chance to you know not sit in but get really close they had it roped off but to, sed- the, to see the product and the quality that's there um you know i i, I and they're doing the, all the right stuff they've got the, the right funding you know they've got some more stuff the amazon arrangements all these things that they've already started to crank out um they're one of the ones that i'm betting are going to be very successful
1: I'm with you on that. This is the most exciting product for me. Um, We have a pre-order on an R1T. Nice. And um, it just speaks to me so much because I, in my off time, spend a lot of time outdoors, hiking, doing a lot of activities of that nature that would fit perfectly in this lifestyle. That Mm -hmm. being said, it is a lifestyle brand. And um, I think it's going to fill a really great segment that, unfortunately, a company like Land. Land Rover hasn't really uh, jumped in too hard yet. Correct. Uh, right. I get it, but it's just a great opportunity to, to tap into this lifestyle um, mm-hmm. that we haven't really seen. So
0: yeah. And again, they may only come out with fifty thousand. I don't. I don't expect them to do huge numbers this year. I mean, the good thing is they're they're being built in your backyard, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so their uh, their headquarters is actually not too far from me in Plymouth. Um right. In Michigan. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so I'm really, really absolutely excited about this brand because being in the industry, you see a lot of EV startups come to market and Mm -hmm. on a marketing perspective, since that's kind of where I'm at, you look at them and you're like, oh, what were they thinking? Or like, they could just do this or that. They would have the credibility. And when Mm -hmm. Rivian came out of the gate at, and I was actually in Los Angeles, Mm. at that time and I knew slightly ahead of time I was looking at the LA Auto Show floor plan and I saw Rivian and I'm like what is this and I googled it and I was like what this is amazing I am so psyched for this this brand and then when they revealed at the show Mm -hmm. and I went to their stand I was flabbergasted because you just don't see that in my industry when a, a new brand comes out and has incredibly impressive stand like they did before Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they didn't come out with their you know their prototypes weren't projected to have you know 150 to 200 mile range no they you know their big packs are going to deliver at least 400 miles they're saying so um and you know talking to the engineers and all their staff were they knew so much I was just so impressed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm with you on this. I believe that Rivian is going to do very well. They have all the right backers. Um, Their investment is strong. They're making great business collaborations with, you know, different like Cox Automotive and Ford and Mm -hmm. they're doing everything right. So I Mm -hmm. really hope that them launching these three production lines with the R1T, the R1S and the prime vans. Mm That's a lot to, that's a big undertaking. So there's going it to be is. some hiccups, but mm-hmm. I think ultimately they know what they're doing. They're getting the right people behind them. And I believe they're going to be very successful.
2: Totally agree. Uh,
0: so keep an eye on Rivian. I've got my neighbors got one of each on order as well. So I keep bugging him. You got any emails yet? No, they've been quiet, but <laughs> they will come, they will come out. It might take them a little bit of bumps, but, you know, they were in stealth mode for a reason, right? To get all their ducks in line and to do it right, as you said. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, another company that's that's going to do well in this marketplace is Lucid with their Air Series. You know, again, they've been taking yeah. the right steps. Um, you know, I love to see this uh, range and efficiency battle going on between them and Tesla. That's just great because it just, it creates more awareness, but I think it's going to be a very solid, compelling product.
1: I completely agree. I actually was fortunate enough to be in Los Angeles on a program recently where I was able to go into their Beverly Hills studio that Mm -hmm. just opened. And I was just elated with their layout, everything that they had in there. Their staff was extremely personable, very friendly, very knowledgeable. Um, They have all the right ingredients for success in my opinion as Mm -hmm. well. Um, The one unique thing that I, I really like about Lucid is that they have a strong um, backing uh, by providing the batteries for Formula E, mm-hmm. um, and in the EV segment, I think that's really important, especially if you're going for high performance. So you learn a lot. It's just like F1. You know, you you learn a lot from those the the pressure and the challenges that you experience with overheating and just pushing these cars to the limit. And mm-hmm. I think Lucid has a good solid foundation from supplying this technology already and having it being proven in this space. So yes, it's a different form factor, um, but I think they're going to do a really great job and I'm really excited. They, they had mentioned while I was at that flagship studio in Beverly Hills that, you know, Q1, you know, probably closer towards the end in springtime is when we're going to start to be able to do some test drives and things like that. So, at, sitting inside it, I was just, I was, I was like, yes, this is what we need for this segment. The materials are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a mid-century modern vibe. They yeah. have a lot of screens. The one in front of you, there's, mm-hmm. you know, several on the center stack. So, mm-hmm. I, I think they're positioned to do really great things. So, um, and and also their their project gravity that they had teased on the end of that. Yes. Um, to get into the bigger suv space i'm all about that
0: (laughs) yeah they realize that that's a big segment they got to go after i think they'll do well i don't know what kind of again what kind of production numbers but and how far of a reach they'll have i mean will they be able to deliver in europe and in canada and and outside of some of the regions it's going to take them some time but i think they'll get there financially they're strong enough and the the product is uh, it looks really compelling so i'm looking forward to seeing some up here
1: i'm with you Mm -hmm. at some point
0: in time and the other couple that i had on my on my uh list for 2021 from the non major oems was lord lordstown motors uh with their endurance pickup truck uh which seems to be a reality they they are doing things more than just renderings they've got a a, a alpha prototype at least uh and they claim that they'll come out with that they've got some the finance set up and uh, and then byton with their mbyte now the, the i had that on my show but since then, um, they've uh, obviously there was issues financially. They were cutting costs. They were putting, holding, you know, kind of closing down for six months or just putting things on hold to keep their costs down. Uh, but it seems like they're working out a relationship now. Uh, there's an announcement came out just recently with Foxcom in China that they're going to partner with them, which I think is going to breathe a lot of life into Biden and just maybe delay their things till next year.
1: Yeah. Um. So, touching on first Lordstown, that is going to be a big fleet market. Um. Mm-hmm. So, I think that is going to be very exciting to see all these pickup pickup trucks in different segments where they're marketing to different demographics. Um. I think that the camping world partnership mm-hmm. with service is a big deal, and I think mm-hmm. that's a great move for them. Um, so we need to see more, you know, collaboration like that, I yeah. think. For um, those people in
0: the U.S. that don't know camping world, just Google it. It's a big deal for U.S. buyers. And again, these are U.S. companies that are going to initially start in their own market and in their own backyards to build up their their profits, get their business going, work out all the kinks, and then expand after that. So it's important, as you're saying, Lacey, for them to make these kind of deals and arrangements and set these things
1: up. Well, and that also from the service side of things, it's great, but they're also going to expand into developing, um, tractor trailer type, um, mm-hmm. you know, RVs and things of that and all full blown ERVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to tap into another marketplace, which is very, very exciting because as we know, yeah. when we go to a campsite, <laughs> there's already electric hookups and everything in place. So that's it's right. just a match made in heaven, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that is a, a big deal. I'm really excited to see Bighton come back. Um, you know, they seemed when I first saw, I was at Pebble Beach when they first launched their stand there. Mm-hmm. And I was able to sit inside of it. You know, I kind of had mixed feelings about it at first. But I think with their combination, you know, Chinese background, but also, you know, German engineering. And it, they seem to create. That, and then having a base in uh, the San Francisco area, it just seemed like they had a base of, of great uh, potential there, where they were mm-hmm. pulling from all the right uh, places to produce a really great product. Um, so when the pandemic hit, I was a little worried, mm-hmm. but I'm really glad to see that they're back in the uh, in the works and they're working with Foxconn, um, which kind of you know. Sparks my attention a little bit, too, because, you know, recently we had heard that the Apple project might be back on the board and mm-hmm. them being, you know, everyone knows their their relationship with Foxconn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting to see that Foxconn is taking more initiative to get more entrenched with uh, the EV vehicle space. Absolutely. So I think that's really exciting. And, um, you know, that's a really big deal.
0: It is. And you know they, we won't say anything for them till 2022 now, but it's good to know that they're tracking. And the other one that I just thought of before we we finish up the show here was the Fisker Ocean, and I don't know, I'm trying to remember if that's if their plans were to come out for this year or was it for next year.
1: I believe it was the next year. Yeah, I, that's what I, I thought. I'm, right? I'm sure he'll. There will be some. News about the mm-hmm. things that he's moving and shaking and doing, and he had already teased a couple of uh <laughs> those Atlas pickup truck renderings
2: oh yeah well, um, I, I do
1: have trepidation about Fisker just because of their history yeah. it actually has spent a lot of time with um Karma automotive, which oh, yeah. was
2: mm-hmm.
1: Fisker. um yes. so I kind of know a little bit more <laughs> more than I want to know I about that
2: know,
1: yeah. mm-hmm. um, and obviously karma automotive now sit completely separate from fisker, but um, I think he's a wonderful designer and I really hope his second go works. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I have all the confidence for that, but I really do hope it works out for them.
0: As, as do I, I've got a uh, I've got a connection here in Ontario that's, uh, connected to Fisker as well and keeps me informed, but they've been quiet. So that makes sense, but that seems to be the rundown for 2021 folks. So I hope that that's. Uh, encouraging news that it's going to be an interesting year as, as we see the you know the light at the end of the pandemic uh, tunnel coming up. And uh, hey, there's our end music. Um, so that means that we've hit the end of the show, which is you know you and I, Lacey, could talk for hours because I think <laughs> we're in the same kind of mindset. Um, and' it's, it's, it's been fantastic to speak with you to get your perspectives on this with your background and we will definitely have to collaborate a lot more I, I think so um, here's your Thank opportunity you. to to plug uh, tell folks a little bit about how they could find
2: you
1: Yeah so uh, my new YouTube channel is youtube.com/ Miscoelectric so pretty much on social media anywhere I'm on Twitter reddit, Instagram um, you can find me at miscoelectric. Electric. And uh, so, yeah, join my journey as well. And we're going to talk about a lot of really cool things. And like you said, hopefully we can collaborate more and get more people into the lifestyle and the EV movement
0: absolutely and i think we will because we're not that far apart you know probably about uh, 200 miles or something like that a couple of miles which once the borders open and and we all get shots on our arms and are free to walk around a bit more we will definitely have to hook up and collaborate and maybe you can sneak me help sneak me into the rivian plant uh, one day cause yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I you know keep trying to reach out to those folks to have a conversation but i'd love to get down there and and film and and interview some people so maybe we can jointly uh work on something there but listen it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you for the first time and to have this conversation and to have you on the show uh please folks go go check lacy out check out all her work uh she's done been doing a great job so far support her and uh, i will get her back on on the podcast at some point later this year maybe towards the latter end to see how our our take on 2021 is actually panned out see if we're just a couple of goofballs that were way off or if we actually know a little bit about what we're talking about. Right. And made some sense of the marketplace. Uh, we'll have to do that. And in the meantime, you know, thanks everybody for listening in and for supporting my efforts and uh, the channel through the EV Revolution Show. You can find me on YouTube, and most people know all of my contacts and e- email at evrevolutionshow at gmail.com and at evrevshow for Twitter are the main ones. Yes, I have Instagram, but I already don't do too much on instagram
2: once in a while i haven't
0: figured that one out yet but i'll get there (laughs) anyway anyway you stay safe Lacey. thanks again for joining me on the show appreciate it likewise and thank you and all the best efforts and we'll have you back on into the audience everybody stay safe and until next time i'll talk to you when i talk to you take care thanks everyone again for listening in you can find all the podcasts at my podcast site at evrevolutionshow.com Also, my podcasts are linked to most of the major podcast players, so you should be able to download and listen at your convenience in your car or portable audio device. Uh, Just please subscribe and you'll get automatically downloaded the new episodes as they come out. Please, again, everybody, uh, check out my YouTube channel to watch current videos and subscribe to that. And if you want to reach me, you can contact me via email at evrevolutionshow at gmail.com or on Twitter at my Twitter handle at EVRevShow. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.